This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we're talking about data privacy with Laura Hoffman, the AMA's Assistant Director of Federal Affairs in Washington, D.C. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Laura, thanks for joining us. It's not a Hallmark holiday, and I didn't see any cards for this, but it is Data Privacy Week. A lot of privacy issues out there to talk about today. You know, why and how has data privacy become such a concern at this point in the pandemic? Thanks, Todd, and it's great to be here to talk to you about this either. I have to say I'm partial to this non-holiday, uh, non-Hallmark holiday, as you called it. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity to, to talk to listeners about why, as you said, privacy is kind of really rising in um, the collective consciousness right now, especially in the midst of the pandemic. Um, you know, I think one thing that's on a lot of people's minds is that there have been increasing calls to use or to implement um, what, are, what we refer to as digital vaccine credentials. You may have heard them kind mm -hmm. of inappropriately called vaccine passports historically, but essentially they're a way to kind of um, prove and document that, that you have actually been vaccinated. And a lot of different states are starting to require these types of credentials to enter restaurants, bars, movie theaters, that kind of thing. Um, so it's an effort essentially to try to help keep the public safe. Um, you know, and again, obviously people can use their paper vaccine uh, cards to kind of meet a lot of these requirements. Um, but there is an increasing kind of desire to digitize this and ensure that that information is um, legitimate, that it hasn't been kind of a, a counterfeited paper card, um, and that it's easy for establishments to kind of trust that the, the credential is actually valid. I know here in Chicago, of course, you need to show your vaccine card uh, to be able to eat at a restaurant. And so, yep. of course, I'm pulling out my phone a lot yes. <laughs> to do that. Uh, and this idea that, uh, you know, we need, need to move to maybe some different format, given the concerns you just outlined. I mean, these are not new concerns, potentially, and neither is privacy. But, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of privacy concerns, not just here, but also with technology and app development. Can you talk about the context Absolutely. in general? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the concerns that we see with apps generally when we talk about privacy carries over pretty pretty cleanly into the, the digital vaccine credential service world too, that, that vaccine app world. Um, you know, we've all gotten so used to using apps to do anything from ordering food to ordering a ride to checking in to you know, airlines for travel, um, it seems like it should be, you know, this really easy common sense thing to just pull out an app to, to verify your vaccine, um, your vaccine status. Um, but unfortunately, kind of the same things, like I said, that we talk about with other apps and other digital technologies when it comes to privacy exist in these vaccine apps as well. And, and namely, um, don't want to get too technical, but a lot of times what happens is these apps are collections of different software that operate together to get us the service that we're after. Um, one thing I would specifically mention um, are what are called SDKs, software development kits. And they're little pieces of code that go into a lot of apps 
And what they wind up oftentimes doing is pulling data from that app and then sending it back to some unknown third party. So folks may have heard a lot in the news over the last few years about Facebook receiving, you know, for example, a lot of data that um, that individuals weren't aware that Facebook was receiving. They might not have even had Facebook accounts, but Facebook has a very broadly disseminated SDK that goes into a lot of different apps and therefore pulls information that, that people aren't sure and, and didn't realize that they were actually sharing. Um, now, this might seem kind of like, well, what's the big deal? Okay, so Facebook gets a little bit of my information, but I think the things that we wanna think about are kind of more systemic, they're more global. What happens when Facebook or other you know, data analytics companies um, start to collect so much data on people that they're able to start kind of slicing and dicing people in different groups? Right. So maybe you've got um, a group of Christians over here and a group of, you know, young black women over there and, you know, goes on and on. Um, a lot of times that can be used for good. Right. You can kind of target opportunities at different groups of people. Maybe there's um, a group of people with a certain health condition and you want to try to advertise, you know, a, a new emerging treatment or a drug for a health condition. The unfortunate case is that that also sometimes flips into kind of the opposite um, uh, effect where these opportunities start to be limited um, by the data that is collected. And so certain groups of people do not see the same kinds of opportunities that we all may. And I realize that's kind of a, a big jump from just talking about privacy and apps, um, but you know, I think it's really important that the AMA and others really help the public to know about this and for clinicians to know about this so that they're able to kind of give good suggestions to their patients about the kinds of health technology that they use. I think your, you know, your example of Facebook is a good one. Uh, there's a lot of concern about uh, how that data is shared. And I think if you have an iPhone, you've seen a, a little pop-up that'll say, you know, allow this app to track across other apps. Um, and so that is, you know, a big concern. Data privacy also, you know, a focus of certain uh, organizations. Even now, I, I was surprised. I looked at, a, you know, my portal uh, for the health system that I go to, and I, I saw an aggregation of all of all my shots, mm -hmm. uh, vaccines. Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't know how that happened. I'm kind yeah. of glad that it is, but at the same time, it kind of fits in with what you're saying that in the background, yeah. which is a lot of what happens and. Uh, in apps or digital marketing, there's a, you know there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of data being shared. So when we when we focus on this credentialing, uh, the vaccine credentialing, you know arena, let's talk a little bit more about you. You, you talked about some of the downsides, and sure. so you're starting to point out where segmentation can occur for good and bad. Yep, exactly. uh, it's just that maybe we didn't give permission for that to occur. So talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly. We want to encourage um, the use of health apps, for example, for consumers to, to access their own medical information, to be able to, to see what vaccines they've received over the years and send that you know, to their new physician if they move across the country. Um, we wanna make these kinds of apps workable and functional for patients. Um, at the same time though, however, we wanna ensure that there are certain safeguards put in place. Um, so for example, we actually wrote to uh, the federal government 
last year, um, and to the national or to the state governors association, um, I believe also at the end of last year, and tried to kind of pull out some key protections that we think should be included in the development of apps and how they basically kind of govern the data that they collect. What, what specifically would those mm -hmm. safeguards be? Yeah, so things like um, minimizing the amount of data that's actually collected. Let's say, for example, you know, you're using a vaccine um, uh, app that will keep track of how many COVID shots you've gotten over the months and years. Um, maybe it shouldn't be asking about, you know, where specifically you live or um, what your other health conditions are or what the medications are that you take. Um, we want to make sure that, and this is like a decades old kind of principle around privacy, is, is ensuring that you're only collecting and sharing the, the amount of information that's really necessary to accomplish a particular purpose. Um, you know, the other kinds of things that we asked for the federal government to do was, again, to make sure that people can always use paper vaccines and or vaccination cards rather than an app. Um, not everyone has a smartphone, obviously. Not everyone has internet access to be able to, to use these services. So we wanted to ensure that, um, that people weren't left out of being able to participate in public activities, even if they didn't have an app. Um, and then, you know, certain other specific things like maybe you don't need to create an account to use a digital vaccine credential app. Again, kind of minimizing the, the collection of data that is really required. Um, and, and then of course, just ensuring that people who saw, say you go to a restaurant and they wanna check your, your app, um, what kind of information is the restaurant then holding on to? Like, do they need all to store all of your information or do they just need to see, yep, She's gotten their shots, you know, come on in. Um, so I'd encourage folks to, to maybe take a look at that letter um, and continue to, to pay attention to the kinds of policies that their individual states are requiring for the apps that they're promoting. I mean, obviously in the app marketplace, yep. pretty limited number of key players out there. Um, any concerns about who's going to have access and kind of control, and you know, I guess for lack of better words, the, that particular marketplace? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, while not, you know, commenting on specific apps, um, there is absolutely a concern that, you know, the more apps that are out there, essentially they are less than regulated, right? Again, there aren't any real like federal standards around what these apps should and shouldn't do. Um, it would be great to see app stores start to require some of these kinds of standards. I mean, you mentioned Apple earlier, um, kind of popping up different notifications to their users on the iPhone saying, hey, you know, this, this app might be actually tracking what you're doing when you're looking at something else. I think we need more of that. We need more um, responsibility from the actual technology vendor, developers and vendors to say, hey, we recognize that privacy is really important to our, to our users, to clinicians. Um, you know, in fact, we're just kind of wrapping up a, a survey right now that, that we've been working on, um, you know, talking to patients and seeing how they want their data used and how they don't want their data used. Um, so we're going to have more coming from that throughout the year. Um, and I can say, you know, as a little sneak peek, I suppose that that basically companies are, or individuals are really wary of companies getting their personal data. Um, so I think that developers would really, 
you know, be wise to pay attention to that and kind of look forward and see, you know, hey, what kinds of um, controls should I be putting in my technology to ensure that people are going to want to use them, that doctors will trust them, um, and that, you know, we maintain the, the public trust in trying to, to use these apps. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. You mentioned earlier in the conversation this idea of, of segmenting, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we faced you know, this issue before like in terms of insurance and things like that, but once people are able to track certain things about you, you know, there's a chance that there could be equity issues um, yeah. around you know, different kinds of segmentations. Can you talk about what the, the pitfalls are there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, I, I, I love this question. I, I think it's privacy is so often thought of as this like technical, nerdy, behind the scenes thing, but it really is a people issue. It's a human rights issue. It's a civil rights issue. Um, privacy you know, essentially gives people the autonomy to control who knows what about them. Um, So, you know, I mentioned earlier, for example, like Facebook was, and still does, collect vast amounts of data, kind of slicing and dicing, segmenting this data into different risk groups. Um, But we've seen, just to stick with the the Facebook example, you know, the, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development a couple of years ago filed a complaint against Facebook for, um, for essentially not advertising housing opportunities to certain groups of people, um, you know, largely historically marginalized groups of people, LGBTQ individuals, Black in- individuals. Um, and so that is like a prime example of saying how when we continually feed so much data almost without thought kind of out into the universe, it can be collected and then um, framed in a way that can either help people, you know, again, get that new, get that new job, or that person might not ever see that job opening, um, because they've been specifically requested to like, because based on their demographics, that kind of person is not wanted for this job. So don't even show them the advertisement. Mm -hmm. So, so it really is kind of this larger, um, system at play where people literally have risk scores and risk profiles developed on them with hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of data points. Um, and, you know, again, as I kind of mentioned earlier too, this can spill over into not only kind of your own personal demographics, whether it's race, religion, whatever, um, but also health conditions, right? So things like substance use disorder are are historically stigmatized. And so you see a lot of employers maybe making hiring or promotion decisions based upon someone's substance use history. Um, And, you know, a lot of people aren't thinking when they use health apps that this information is going to wind up in the hands of their either current or prospective employers down the line or life insurers down the line, um, which could have, you know, huge effects for them and their families. 
guess my, my former business school professor from a long time ago, uh, wrote a very, very thick tome on this kind of surveillance, uh, Shoshana Zuboff, if you're interested oh, in that. Yes. And so yes. uh, that's a, you know, exactly. A, exactly that kind of surveillance, uh, you know, in the kind of uh, data economy that we're in right now is, uh, you know, this substantial uh, issue for us to contend with. You mentioned, Laura, the, the survey that the AMA is putting together can you give us a little bit more in terms of details on when we'll start to see uh, the results of that. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we literally just wrapped up the survey this month uh, in January, and we're kind of synthesizing the results right now. We reached out to over a thousand patients um, and again, wanted to just get real data behind, you know, who, what groups of, you know, what types of companies, what individuals, what purposes are patients most comfortable um, sharing their health information about. And again, a, a large kind of um, a couple key takeaways, I would say, is that people were very clear that, you know, privacy is a right of theirs. It shouldn't be up for sale. There was a, a very strong um, reaction to data being monetized and commercialized, especially when they aren't aware of it. Um, the other kind of thing uh, had to do with like notices of privacy practices and how companies are explaining to individuals um, what they're actually doing with the data. And does that change all the time? And people aren't aware of it. So we're pulling that together and we'll be um, kind of synthesizing that into some, some broader messaging and speaking to you know, how health systems can help patients and, their, and their, the physicians who work in them um, provide really meaningful guidance. We want to ensure that there's better transparency to patients so they understand what's being done with all the data that is collected by these apps. Um, and the other thing I should mention is right at the end of 2021, uh, we put out a, a new resource that's aimed uh, largely at developers to help um, to help them think about some of the, the tools that they can build into their apps, kind of a privacy by design perspective. Um, so, you know, that may also be interesting to, to listeners to check out. It, it really walks through kind of the business case for privacy, um, perhaps getting ahead of federal legislation that might require this eventually anyway, um, but then taking our AMA privacy principles and translating that into technical controls that can help to, um, to really shore up the privacy that controls that we want to see in these apps. And we'll put some information about where to locate that resource in the description of this particular episode, uh, which uh, I'm sure that is a very, very important resource. Laura, just in closing, what's your advice to physicians out there contending with these kinds of questions? What are they, how do they advise their patients in, in regard to these kinds of privacy issues? Definitely. Um, so, you know, to physicians, I would say, Research is showing that your patients are going to start coming to you with these questions about apps and, and what kind of apps are trustworthy and what can be used. Um, we would encourage physicians to talk to their, again, kind of administrators, um, their IT departments, maybe reach out even to your vendors, your HR vendors, and try to get um, information from them about how they are exploring the privacy and security of the apps that they offer in that EHR kind of ecosystem. Um, I would say they should be prepared, you know, to explain to patients how the apps that, that a health system might offer do protect privacy. Um, and again, I think, you know, it's helpful to all kind of come back to this is about maintaining trust between the physician and patient as well. You know, if a if a patient goes to a, a physician and tells them really kind of trusted, potentially sensitive things, and then 
they hear about it, you know, from somewhere else because it got leaked out through these apps, the, the patient might think, well, why is the doctor, you know, sharing this information that I that I disclosed in confidence? Um, so we want to make sure that, you know, physicians feel comfortable in responding to patients and and reassuring them that that trusted relationship is there, even if they choose to, to start to use these apps. Laura, thanks so much for joining us and marking this Data Privacy Week with information about how physicians need to be thinking uh, about uh, this important topic. We'll be back soon with another segment for COVID-19 update. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.